2: Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the
1: world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day
0: Got to let it go So Fast a-
3: down Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for December 13th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside as always, Case Low. Case, how are you doing this week?
2: I ate too much right before we started recording. I'm gonna be very uncomfortable for the next two hours. It's
3: it's something that, you know, I, I I have had to find out what my preferred uh drink while I'm streaming or podcasting is. And I can't like eat too heavy or too much of a certain thing before like, I have to talk a lot. So I get it. You're, you're, it this is your flu game. I feel like I said that once every two months case going through a flu game.
2: I'm I'm going to be going through a burp game. It's going to be the issue, which I already like. I don't burp a lot in my regular life. And then 7 p.m. on Tuesday rolls around and I just can't stop. And I don't know what that is. And this was just a particularly busy day. And I found myself at 615 going, you know what I want right now? Two turkey burgers. And that's what I did. And I finished those about 15 minutes ago as I was crunching some numbers for this podcast. And I I am now realizing what a horrible mistake that was.
3: You see, like, honestly, thought has to go into, like, the hour before you you get on and talk. You know, like, for me, it's something where it's like, oh, I can't just, like, chug a soda right beforehand. You know, I'm going to start burping like how you said. Like, certain... I I like drinking and I think it's pretty well known. I like drinking sparkling water as we record, but I have to be careful case because some of them too many bubbles, too many bubbles. You know, it's,
2: it's been a minute since we've done the, uh, the drink roundup on this podcast, which I think people might prefer more so than Dragon Gate content. Let me throw two sodas at you real quick. See if you have any thoughts on them. One, I believe we talked about this, but I don't know if you had it or not. The Mountain Dew fruit quake Christmas edition
3: case. I have gone to, uh, Every quick trip, 7-Eleven and South Carolina regional change spinks looking for this soda. I don't think it made it to South Carolina.
2: That's that's devastating to hear. Yeah, uh,
3: because when we talked about this before, like fruitcake soda, that's like something that like bridges are, are a big divide over the gingerbread uh, Mountain Dew last year.
2: I miss you, it. I really miss that soda.
3: You like chewing cardboard, but this thing kind Un- of unrelated. Like, uh, but actually really related given how that <laughs> how that soda tastes but given our divide on that gingerbread soda wouldn't you think that fruit that like fruitcake would get us in the middle like that this is the thing that would bridge our gap here if we we're going to do like our tough hardcore tough guy handshake it would be over the fruit cake.
2: i found it to be too sweet and i've said that about Ooh. very few things in my life
3: gosh did, were you getting the t- were you feeling in
2: your teeth I was feeling it in my teeth. Absolutely. Oh. It, no, it was, it was not a, it was more unpleasant than it was bad. If that makes sense. Oh,
3: okay. Because sometimes, and I understand how riveting this is for internationalists or sometimes like you'll get a soda that will have like a clawing kind of things. Like it's almost like you have like a film that's like left on after you drink. Like I feel like sometimes I like myself a monster rain energy to start the day case. I go for Melon Mania. It's the best watermelon drink, I think, out of any energy drink created. But you drink it too fast, and it, you, you get like phlegm in your throat. Is this what we're talking about with
2: the Fruit Quick? Yeah, it's a little. It's the same reaction. You know, I'm a, a huge drinker of the Mountain Dew Spark, the raspberry lemonade offering that Mountain Dew brings to the table. It, ever since it was released, I've been obsessed with it. It's my go-to drink. I have a few a week, and my uh, the, the lady of my life, has seen me drink a bunch of them, and finally last week was like, "Yo, can I just can I take a sip of that just so I can kind of understand what's going on in your head? Let me understand you a little bit better." And she did, and she was like, "You know, the 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 sip is not the problem; it's the lingering aftertaste of sweet raspberry lemonade that I can't imagine drinking for pleasure. The fact that you drink this is insane, and you know, guilty as charged." But the the, the fruit quake does a similar thing, but I find it to be very unpleasant
3: that there is a line there. I really do, because it's something where like it's the lingering plus like like flimmy. I don't know what it is. It's the syrupiness of it sometimes. And you would think they would have that figured out in cans and bottles, but that's not always the case.
2: The other question I had, the drink that I have been hitting hard in lieu of a Christmas Mountain Dew flavor, I have turned my attention to the Christmas Sprite, the the long running cranberry sprite. It has been my drink of the holiday season. I am curious if this is something that has crossed your radar before
3: oh yeah cranberry syrup mist baby like that i i think we've talked about my how i think that that it was like the best soda ever made cranberry syrup <laughs> <or> mist <laughs> I,
2: I, if i've heard that take before it is uh just as shocking hearing it a second time yeah well
3: cranberry <laughs> it, it's something that it is tart it hits a tartness right it has the the back end of sweetness there so like you, you pucker then you go ooh on the back end and then also great mixer tremendous mixer I know that doesn't pertain to you case but you you know you play with what brought you to the game and i think that cranberry Seramis miss brings a whole lot to the table
2: all right i i am glad that we're on the same page on our cranberry flavored beverages before we talk about drangate your thoughts on the cranberries as a band
3: oh i mean uh, who's to say between them and, S- and Sinead about like the nineties, uh, Irish pop folk kind of, uh, us invasion. I mean, it's, it, I mean, zombie is one of those songs that lingers with you, you know?
2: Look, I, I have been listening to a lot of Sinead O'Connor lately and really diving into,
3: Oh, it's yeah.
2: I, you know, just that catalog is way more impressive than I initially thought it was. Uh, so, I, you know, at some point after this podcast, go listen to some Sinead O'Connor. But the Cranberries, to me, I ask because I think they're they're one of my favorite bands of all time. And to the Faithful Departed, their 1996 release, I think is their best record, and it is also my holy grail vinyl record. As ever since I started collecting seven or eight years ago. I have been on the hunt for this album. It has never been repressed whereas all the other albums they've put out have. Uh, This is the album with Hollywood and Salvation and When You're Gone, and I just shot John Lennon and a bunch of other bangers on it. Oh, yeah. Limited pressing, 1996. I believe only an international pressing wasn't ever released on vinyl in the US. I I can buy it online. That's not the point. I am waiting to run into that bright yellow cover in a record store. I will drop $200 if I have to on it. That 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 has become... is that the the, record that is I, i mean there's some like super rare smiths and morrissey stuff and then like original discord minor threat you know that sort of thing that are very much in my wheelhouse of either like proto early hardcore punk or super super rare morrissey but in terms of the record that always for you know not to be corny here but the record that always lingers in the back of my head whenever i open the door to a record shop i wonder if that's going to be here it is 100 of the time cranberries to the faithful departed
3: you, you know what record collecting phase i went through a couple years ago
2: i this this is going to terrify me given what i know about your music taste but go ahead
3: oh i in a miami record shop this must have been like 2012 like a decade ago i found and it was just like an offbeat one it wasn't like sweat for like the south florida people They'll know sweat records but it was just one that was like up bird road and i pulled over and i was just out for a drive that day like it was like a weekend i wasn't doing anything i didn't have any plans i was like let's get out of the house ended up at this record store they had a selection of bootleg vinyls
2: oh oh god yeah
3: Soundboards
2: yep and that, stuff that's, like this that that so yeah that is my preferred mode of listening to music is soundboard recordings from from live shows to me that is how music should always sound
3: so i got this and i've but i, I had a period that i was really going hard on ebay i've backed off on this but led zeppelin has probably i know like since then everything has kind of changed but led zeppelin was kind of like the first big soundboard band right like
2: interesting I, okay
3: out of like arena rock, you know, yeah, that that like you had like that there. Like, I went through a really deep like Zeppelin phase and I found a bootleg uh soundboard from their show at the Fillmore in 1969, like their third show in the states.
2: That's it, that's it was, so, I mean, I'm not a Zeppelin fan, but that's still cool as hell. That's yeah. that, that's really that's now that I've I, again, I have as many records as I do and largely have crossed off, you know, whatever, like, oh, I like this album, so I own it now. That is what I'm really, in the next year, kind of looking to find more of. And there's a record store in Chicago, uh, Suga Records, which is in Wicker Park. And they just opened a Logan Square location as well. And they kind of specialize in some of those bootlegs. And I'm, I'm really interested in grabbing... A nirvana live set and a you know a, an early green day set and the last time i was there and i didn't pull the trigger on it and i've regretted it ever since was they had on vinyl a smashing pumpkins live and tower records siamese dream record release acoustic session
0: wow and I, did,
2: I didn't buy it then but i went home and i listened to the the digital version of it on youtube i was like oh shit i gotta go back and get that this this all sounds really really good
3: so I I just looked this up the uh, the one that kind of spun me on this was the uh, bootleg is called the Rising of the Zeppelin but it's also called as Fillmore West but it was the, the it's the second ever bootleg from Led Zeppelin there was one that was at Gonzaga the year before so
2: yeah that's pretty impressive that I mean I have I have a handful of Smiths bootlegs in my collection. There's one I have, I believe it's from the Netherlands in 84, where the bass is really loud on it, which I really like, because I think Andy Rourke is one nice. of the most underrated basses of all time. Uh, but that's, I mean, you know, if I run across, especially a Morrissey Solo bootleg or a Smith bootleg, I mean, I'll, I'll drop my savings account on that if I have to. That stuff is uh, extremely important to me. So, yes, I, I am all for the bootlegs. That is something I'm actually looking to expand my collection in in 2023 this has been a lovely side episode of the art school albums podcast rest in peace (laughs) let's talk about some dragon gate mike
3: yeah so we are here this week we we are here
2: today we are gathered here (laughs) to talk about nagoya and kyoto
3: (laughs) nagoya and kyoto we have some other stuff sprinkled in as well this was an interesting week i would say you know this was like their last regular week of the year i would say but of course next this weekend upcoming uh gate of origin and sendai on the 18th and then the week after that christmas day the last big the the last big match of dragon gates year as they like to call it final gate and that's it for the year so this was the last uh normal weekend so we had a show on the 10th in kyoto and then a now rare used to not be that case but for now rare nagoya live stream showcase uh did just off the top, what were your impressions about this weekend?
2: I thought the Kyoto show was super interesting from an in-ring perspective. There was one match in particular that I just loved L-O-V-E-D. L-O-V-E-D, I spelled that right, thank God. Uh, bold, underlined, italicized. I just loved this match because I it was Dragon Gate Wrestling kind of in the way that I love it and i thought the entire show was super super solid and then you look at that nagoya show and i think the business of that show some of the numbers that we got coming out of it are really interesting to break down you know last week we talked a lot about how depleted the scene is and how you know drangate hovers in that 2 to 3 range you know flip a coin on on you know whether or not stardom is bigger than drangate or considered bigger, bigger than drangate on a daily basis the Nagoya market is a really interesting one to look at, and this show that they ran on December 11th that did just shy of 1,000 fans, I have some numbers there that I want to go over not to not to beat the chest of Drangate. They don't need me to do that. That's not the purpose of this podcast. I just think as we continue to analyze the country and the culture of Japanese wrestling and Unfortunately, we have such a good understanding of pandemic attendance numbers now. This is some important stuff to look at. So, uh, a lot to like this weekend from varying perspectives.
3: Yeah, and it it was something where the Kyoto show just they there was a lot of stuff on that show that was like I we briefly like to ourselves talked a little bit about this one match we'll get into when we talk about Kyoto that I thought was just like really special but it just was like you had a nice mixture of stuff going on there and then when you got to nagoya we'll talk more about the business later but it's something that it was very clear like during this show like all the hard work over the last like 18 months building up nagoya as a market paid off there i mean it was something that i very few uh, places around the country you'll see in japan like a show go above a thousand anyways but the fact that it was happening on not even like a monthly tour stop in Dragon Gate is kind of remarkable for the industry is like we talked about last week.
2: And the the Kyoto show from a box office perspective was no slouch. They did 322 fans. That's the most they've done in KBS Hall this year, with the exception of the January show that they ran, which did 346 people, which given the restrictions, that was a loaded january show just from a, a amount of people in the building there this did 322 322 fans for reference the last few times they've been in the building 258 303 278 so 322 is a really solid number here and these people were treated to a great show
3: yeah so let's just get into it from the top uh it opened up in this show for newer dragon gate fans with this being fan appreciation month we talked about this last week this is what a lot of the shows are each month the experience here with it uh it was on the 10th will be up on the network until the 17th we weren't certain when we were recording case but those fan appreciation shows are getting pulled down so that is something to kind of keep in mind apparently the global dream shows up if you like weird stuff but and that uh, show
2: is i guess that show is free too i i yeah i'm in a very bad mood over the network today i went to rewatch part of the may 29th King of Gate show, which was broadcast from Osaka number two. And I just kind of expected that to be there. And then it wasn't. And I, you know, I really, I think Drangate has done a tremendous effort reaching out to people that are either lapsed fans or are looking for something new this month. They have put on two very interesting free shows and it is months like this where I am reminded of the headache that the network is, I think it not only needs a drastic facelift because people like you and me that know what we're looking for still have an incredibly hard time finding things every once in a while, and I need somebody from the company to explain to me why and this is not a new issue, but it particularly bothered me today. If Cork and Hall shows because they're being broadcast on Guyora and you know Champion Gate and the pay-per-views if those have to go away within a week, I don't like it, but I can deal with it. But when your Hokkaido shows and your Kyoto shows and your Kobe shows and your Osaka shows, when they disappear and then are never re-uploaded, it's it's completely enraging. I mean we have just – it's amazing we have everything and yet we're losing footage from this era because it's not an easy network to rip things from. And then they're not being re-uploaded. So once they go away, they go away. And just from a historical perspective and from an archival perspective, that's incredibly bothersome. So it is a one-step-forward, two-steps-back sort of week in terms of reaching new Dragon Gate fans.
3: Yeah, and it's something that... like it would be so much easier if we could just up and down, say yes or no about subscribing to the network. You know, it, the network's been around for almost three full years, and we always have to go like, well, what's your weekly schedule like?
2: And, and even on top of that, look, there's, there's a nice archive there now. Am I frustrated that there's... No 2016, 2015, 2014, 2013 Dragon on there. Yes, I, it's very annoying that there have been zero efforts made in the four years that the network has existed that there's been no progress there. But there's still a very large archive of interesting things. Obviously, you know, Torrey Mon TV from the beginning to now they're in uh, 2003. I mean, there's Torrey Mon X footage on the network now, at least Torrey Mon X in Mexico footage. Uh, there, there's you know, the great When We Were Young series, there's all of these great singles matches that they just randomly upload, but I have a hard time finding it, and I feel like in terms of English-speaking users, I am in the 1% of people that are well-versed with this network. I, I kind of know exactly what's on there, and yet I still have a hard time figuring it out. So that that has become incredibly frustrating. It was frustrating today. It was frustrating last month when I was doing a DDT catch-up, and I could find every DDT show with ease. I knew exactly what I was looking oh, for. Oh, Wrestle Universe is great. It's Mike. It's awesome. it's yeah. a, it's a shame that Noah's on the promotion uh, on the website because I it's it's really really easy to use. There's just not a lot of promotions that I like to watch on there. Uh, but it's, if the, if the if the Dragon Gate Network was half as easy to use as Wrestle Universe, it would make everybody's lives better.
3: Case, uh, uh, let's be honest here. Let's peel back the veil. You're just mad that Noah is interrupting all you're watching on Gambari Pro.
2: Look, there's, there's, every once in a while there's a Gambari car that pops up. I go, that that looks pretty good. (laughs) I'm not going to watch that, but that looks pretty good. It's kind of like I've watched a handful of Tenru project shows this year, and you've
3: made me watch some Tenru
2: that's right that's right we watched that that 20 minute arc and tag match that i thought was there's look there's been some stuff there that uh it, it, that it was i've cool enjoyed so a
3: four star arc <laughs> and tag match
2: there's, look there's been some good stuff this year i i'm a man of great taste my my sfm uh 50 list is going to really bother some people but ultimately i am proven correct time and time again i'm a man of great taste and i really enjoyed this kyoto show
3: yeah, so let's finally get into it. Uh, opener, a Natural Vibes versus High End and Friends. That, that's just what easy way to call them. It's KZ, Shimizu, Jackie Funky Kame and Jason Lee uh, for Natural Vibes and then Yamato, Dragon Kid, Takashi Yoshida, and Problem Dragon. And it was Takashi Yoshida getting the win with a Pineapple Bomber on Big Boss Shimizu in 10 minutes, 35 seconds is the opener. And for newer fans, this match will be up on the Dragon Gate, YouTube channel into perpetuity.
2: Takashi Yoshida is a fascinating wrestler. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that is as enjoyable to watch. That has also been such an, inc- an incredible thorn in my side at times. Like this is a man that I've hated. I think he's actively made Dragon gate worse before. And ever since he's taken off the mask and specifically this baby face turn that he's had over the last two years now, And the teaming with Doi, and then not getting invited into gold class, and now what he's doing in high end uh, as an assistant. He's an incredibly charming babyface. It's one of those deals where I don't necessarily like watching Yoshida all the time, but I really enjoy what they are doing with Yoshida. And this match, you know, him hitting Shimizu with a lariat and then winning. And then this great look of shock that fell over his face. This is really, really good character work from a guy who, oddly enough, spent you know 15 years almost under a mask, or I guess a decade under a mask. It wasn't quite 15 years. To see him be this natural, sympathetic baby face when most of his career he was a monster heel, we don't always have the nicest things to say about him. But I, this is an episode where I'm going to praise him quite a bit.
3: Yeah, I have... Th- there is a charm about high end and friends that, for the first time in the almost two years of high-end, I'm really enjoying them, guys. Like, Yoshida and Problem Dragon. Problem Dragon has gotten, I don't know if I would say, best shape of his career, but but like, the, the two of them, more so Yoshida, but like, being so much on the sidelines and Problem Dragon basically spending the entire year on the sidelines and kind of being thrust in this role, this is something that really could dry, grind the shows to a halt but end up have ended up being like just like a breath of fresh air for a team that really needed it
2: what would you say is the peak of problem dragon's career is it 2012 where he's bizarrely in a bunch of main events is it 2016 where he has a, a brave gate challenge I, I believe is there a high point of his career for anybody that finds him to be uniquely charming
3: I mean if it's not twenty twelve, it would probably be like the weird like it, yeah, so the the story about Problem Dragon was that he was Ape Kamada and DG next. He was in the same class as Yamato, but he just never took off. Ended up they ended up putting him under the Shenlong mask. He was super Shenlong the second, but he hated the mask and they made it part of a character where he would start wearing transparent masks and taking off the masks during the matches and it just was kind of like a bizarre lower card act. But it was really until mondai ryu and especially the salty section and i still think that probably is the peak other than i mean like dude ramley was in a disbands match like wait him coming back after a broken neck and being in the overgeneration generation disbands match still might be his peak if you want to look at it that way
2: yeah i think that's probably a fair assessment i, I i'm enjoying this high-end storyline not because it's great by any means but it is the most interesting high-end has been arguably since their formation.
3: Yeah, and it and it's something that you could at least see through the loop that this is working. It, it's providing kind of the jolt that the that the the act needs and when you put up against something like natural vibes that is so complete is so much at a, it is such at a place that it was only until uh the UT match and uh and and Nagoya case that I went, "Oh, we didn't see strong machine this week." Okay. I because it's such like a like a, a well-oiled machine with all the different pairings that you don't that yeah it's something that you like you notice them during the dances if they're not like in the match but it's not that they're interchangeable it's just they're they have developed such a chemistry at this point that you just take oh yeah just grab four members of natural vibes put them in the opener they'll make it work
2: yeah that's it's more of a compliment to natural vibes than there's a dig on strong machine J to realize that he wasn't Oh, there was it not a dig to it whatsoever the, the, the combinations are just endless with this unit and they all work
3: right so it, it was something that i was just really enthused about and it's something that they did a lot of good building for considering what the shows are this weekend and next weekend given how sometimes sometimes card builds for big shows can be a little slapdash, dash they already put the seeds for the twin gate challenge that we get the next night here it was a nice little payoff i felt like.
2: Oh, yeah. No, there's uh, the 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 booking is cooking right now up and down the card. I I am really stoked on the way they're closing their year.
3: As we continue down the show, maybe the booking was cooking a little bit here, uh more so Madoka Kakuda's hip attacks as Madoka Kakuda ran through Kaito Nagano in three minutes to 29 seconds with a new move called the hip bomber, which is just the running butt attack in the corner but he just does it in the very very brutal vicious tony storm kind of way
2: his ass is the size of kaito nagano's head
3: yeah no it's something that we do not objectify madoka kakuda he is clearly marketed as a part of this and is a part of his act
2: no yeah no it's it's his gimmick is that he has a fat ass, and it's it's a, a very successful gimmick as that. Look, I, we could talk about his butt all day long, and, and there will be a podcast in which we get super horny. I'll make you be publicly horny for the first time in your life, and we'll do that. Uh, Kaito Nagano is disgustingly good at pro wrestling. Would you agree?
3: It's something where like you have to remind yourself now that oh yeah no this guy. Although he looks young, like, yeah, he, he's still three months into wrestling because it's, he has found a niche here and he's found that lane that, you know, there is a, there's a path forward for him. It's something that he'll, he'll encounter a lot of the issues that guys his size have in the promotion, but it, you have to remind yourself that like, oh yeah, this guy is barely 20 and three months into wrestling.
2: Yeah. That's the thing. He, he turned, he debuted a month after turning 20, he was born July 31st, 2002 which I mean I was born in 99 and that makes Finally me feel really old. Finally, you feel
3: old on the yeah, show. Yeah,
2: it was it wasn't Sb Kento or uh, Kame that did it but not Nagano debuting in July or being born rather not debuting but being born in July of 2002 is sending a shiver down my spine and then he is just he's so crisp in a way that like there are North American wrestlers that are on TV that are good wrestlers that are objectively good that are not as smooth as he is his like six one nine, which he has a top rope six one nine into a springboard drop kick. And then that sort of bulldog face buster into the drop kick that he's doing. He's not missing a beat when he does those. I mean, it's crazy the way that he moves around the ring and, with the continued North American focus, the expansion they're, they're doing once more into that market, this is becoming a guy that if you're going to say this is Drangy, this is different from New Japan, this is different from NOAA, we have a different vibe than DDT, and we're not women, so we're different than stardom. He's now moving up the list of guys that I would like to showcase to a North American audience, whether that be Mexico or America. Yeah,
3: it's something with him now that, like, case. Would you be stunned if, by the end of Champion Gate, we were talking about him being him taking Fujiwara's spot at Tori Moncasa?
2: No, that would not. That would not shock me at all. Uh, again. He's right now. He's in need of that one high profile match that really turns heads. Which is yeah, funny because he's three. He's three months into his career. and I'm going. God, they just you know they got to give him an opportunity. Which he, is insane. He needs he, his
3: gut check. He has not had a gut check yet.
2: In any, he, he came. I mean the the Cork and Hall show uh, on the sixth, which he was in the opening match of. He was the most talked about guy on that show other than Mochizuki and Yoshioka, so he did his job there. Really, what it's going to come down to is a Diamante singles match in Cork and Hall, and, and still there won't be the right eyeballs on that, but I think that will get more eyeballs on that, and I think that will start the conversation of like, wait a minute, who who is this? Like, wait, what is he doing? Because <laughs> he just kind of has uh, – again, like we talked about last week, he's a flyer and a small guy in a promotion full of small guys, but – I feel like he has more in common with your commanders and some of your lucha indie guys than he does your dragon kids. And that is really exciting because Dragon gate hasn't had like a reckless high flyer in a very long time.
3: Yeah. And it's something that like, I still see the little bit, of Masato Yakushiji in him.
2: Oh, 100%. You know?
3: Yeah. And that's such like an exciting thing to see. You don't get to see that that often. And I think it's going to be cool to see how it blossoms into a changeover and that excursion or after that Diamante match they're proposing.
2: Absolutely. No, this was, this was good stuff. Nice three minute match. Kakucha looks great. Nagano looks great. Well worth the, the little bit of time that you need to invest into it.
3: Absolutely. And that was not it for class of 2022 guys on this show. As the next match, we have the Mochizuki's Misaki and his son, Mochizuki Jr., teaming up against Ryo Fuda and Yoshiki Kato. It was Fuda going down, which, notable, uh, coming up on that anniversary in his homecoming show, losing in a match because his tag team partner was Yoshiki Kato. So someone who debuted a week ago, not picking up the fall or not eating the fall, Ryo Fuda was, with the father and son brain buster. They just do a double brain buster, but they call it the father and son brain buster, and it rules.
2: So let's let's focus on Fuda before we focus on Kato here. That is not good that he took this pinfall. I think that is the the very safe uh, uh, suggestion there is that him losing this match shows just how far behind he's fallen this year.
3: Yeah, and it's sad because I thought he was cooking on this match. Like, if you want Ryo Fuda to have a match where he's going to be able to really put his best foot forward, I would say where he's on his career, it would be with the Mochizukis, right?
2: Yes, and, you know, I think he's looked really good since he returned to the ring in Kobe over the summer. He, He does not have bad outings. But again, I can't go on and wax poetically about him like I just did Kaito Nagano and Nagano debuted nearly a year after he did. It's the increasing competition. You know, if Fuda was in another promotion, if he was in it, it's just the, the the law of the land. You know, if he was in a NOAA or an All Japan, he wouldn't have this intense pressure on him where he's getting lapped by his contemporaries. He would be one or two of the dojo graduates and... He would have gotten hurt, but he'd be able to kind of develop at his own pace, and he just does not have that luxury in current Dragon Gate.
3: Yeah, and that would be something real interesting to look into this weekend with his homecoming show being in Sendai for Gate of Origin. uh, Let's talk about Yushiki Kato. So we got to see his debut last week against Madoka Kakuda. He was in action both nights here. Case, this guy's bad news.
2: It seems like they might have a capital G
3: guy. It is so much fun. Like, like it, he has a certain Orem presence that is really cool to see. Like, he's just, he he, he has never woken up on the right side of the bed. Everything is just a salt on his thing. Like, you just get the vibe that Yoshiki Kato has led a tortured existence, and now he's going to take that out on everyone, and it rules. And you just get that from just his physical charisma.
2: It's so interesting, you know, like we've talked about, this is their 13th wrestler to debut since the start of the pandemic. And you look at some of these names and Kato wrestles differently than Fuda and wrestles differently than Nagano and wrestles differently from the little bit we've seen on Nishikawa who's in Mexico and he wrestles different than Mochizuki Junior and he wrestles different than Ishin and Minarita and all these other guys. It's so interesting to watch. And this has been my point for years now to watch a company that. Has so many different kinds of wrestlers that unfairly get lumped into one, uh, you know, what's claimed to be a homogenous style, which I just don't think is accurate at all. But they have this guy who is just a brick shit house. He's uh, you know, like I talked about yesterday uh, to you: giant body, small head, which is a very interesting combination <laughs> that I'm I'm distracted by whenever I look at it. He has a tiny head. The proportions are out of whack (laughs) it's it's disturbing he he's kind of built like a lego when you think about it but (laughs) he's this you know like he said before he debuted he wants to be 8's top power fighter and here he is in match number two and he's no selling kicks from masaki mochizuki and if junior is going to get any offense it has to be a double team with his dad I mean, they weren't messing around. They didn't have him submit Punch Tamanaga in that exhibition match by accident. And they didn't debut him the way they did with him looking strong versus Madoka Kakuta, even in defeat. That wasn't by accident. And this was another one of those things. And, you know, it's it's hard. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself because as I always tell people, we've unfortunately lived the harsh reality of it. We lived it in 2016. We lived it again in 2021 in early in the early parts of this year. Not all of these guys are going to work out. Oh my god, the potential with Kato. I mean, this is a guy that you just feel like once they're ready to go with him, he can just buzzsaw through this roster.
3: Yeah, it it and it's not going to take a lot of heavy lifting to do so. Uh Benkei debuted in 2016, won the Dream Gate at, at Kobe World 2019. It does not take long to gear someone else up. I mean, Jay has and, been a,
2: and, and was challenging for the dream gate in march of 2018 sorry to cut you off but that's that's worth noting that's an even more expedited timeline
3: right yeah so you have that jay has talked before about they were like if sb kento at 20 was like three inches taller he might have gone all the way in his rookie year like it, it's something where like it's not going to take a whole lot if you're someone who's yoshiki kato size wrestling a, a style that it fits, it, but it's distinctive, but it fits. And with his look and physical charisma, like it, it is something where I actually, in my mind, have a clock on Kato on how fast he should get out of this phase of his career. Like they, it, it, It's, of course, going to be something to see him being able to have championship-style matches, be able to be in the be backbones of matches and be able to have like those kind of presents. but it's just so clearly apparent there with yoshiki kato in a way that has not been the case with anyone of the COVID era
2: well let me ask you this you know if you watched the smash not knowing anything and i said okay the the two guys teaming here the two guys that aren't mochizuki which one debuted last week which one debuted a year ago what would you say
3: oh you'd say fuda was the rookie
2: yes exactly
3: yeah and i think that's a that that's really like the 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 good note to go out on, on this match. I I adored this. I was three and a half stars on
2: this. I, I, I was as well. This is it, it's a it's a good mix of that fun you know young lion versus veteran style wrestling match, but then you also just you get Kato and I, I I haven't I haven't read a ton of thoughts on him. I I haven't seen a lot of people discuss him. I would really like to know from the people listed kind of where they're at on him this early in his career because. I don't. I don't get the same feeling that I did after watching, you know, Espy Kento's first match, his literal first match, and I, I don't quite. I'm not quite there with where I was with Fujiwara by the time he split from Mexico. Whereas, you know, I, I think those two guys are just the guys that are going to lead this company and you know the latter half of this decade into the, the 2030s. But it's also we kind of have to keep an eye on Kato as being in that conversation. And I know that sounds absurd. He's wrestled three matches on TV. But this is not a company that does things by mistake, and they are very intentionally handling him as somebody that will be a big deal eventually.
3: Yeah, and it's just a matter of time. Like, yeah, I'd be interested to hear – uh people's thoughts on him so far i don't know what would be the best way to kind of measure this case i don't know if we want to say like tweet at us a number or just like a one sense thought so far either like yeah, that, the but...
2: in the, uh, the voice of wrestling discord we've got the Open yeah. the voice gate channel i say just i don't know say something <laughs> i'm really curious to know what people think about him
3: yeah d- d- just say something please uh match four this was our touch football match of the evening ultimo dragon teaming with his first term students susumu mochizuki azushi kanda Versus Kai Hulk and Diamante of ZBrads. it was Hulk doing a pretty nice uh, little f- first flash on Conda to win just over the ten minute call.
2: It was the, it was the one thing on the show that didn't light my world on fire. It was inoffensive, but also not any good.
3: Yeah, no, nah, it, it it was there. It, it was what you could expect. Uh, I I did have a joke about Separados about this match, but more importantly, we'll talk about Separados in the Nagoya show. Uh my main event case. We're, we're, we're gonna need to buckle in a little bit for this one semi so main event was decourage the original tag team Yuki Yoshioka and Dragon Daya versus Naruki Doi and Ata Doi penned daya with a Bakatari sliding kick in 12 minutes and 26 seconds. They teased in the in the post match. Ata uh, still wanting to find partners wanting to be able to like have a team after being cast adrift and Doi looked like he was about to do it but he pulled his hand back. There is no teaming with Doi and Naita so far.
2: What a match. I I mean, I don't know where you're at with this. I, I thought this was just absurdly good. And it's, you know, one of the the, the big talking points that I, I've seen from a lot of people. I, I always want to be clear when I say this that I'm not singling out any one specific person and just not naming names from a lot of people. Drangy, it's good. It's not what it once was. These guys are good. They're not Doi Yamato Tozawa. They're not Shingo, Hulk, whoever. Is that true? Yes. Do I think that's a bad comparison point? Yes. Because I I just, I, I, it's a changing company. Get with the times, adapt or die. Naruki Doi was so good in this match, though. With that being said, like, I would love to to go, well, you know, and I, I've got a lot to say about die at some point in this podcast. You know, I would love to point to Yoshioka, and I would love to point to, to Nagano and Kato and all these other guys, but it was like, oh, my God rookie doi is such a good professional wrestler and doi at the end of this match just going on a rampage and clearing house and then pinning dragon die which was the last thing i expected in this match i went four stars and it might not be a four star match but i loved this so much that i would feel foolish not putting it on my spreadsheet
3: case so this was a four and a quarter star match
2: Okay, all right that makes me feel a little bit better
3: this was the good stuff this was the thing that when we would try out to scrape through Summer Adventure Tag Leagues back in the late aughts and early 2010s to like find the good stuff, you would be hoping to find a D-Courage versus Doi and Ata. My first note I have here, spicy little number, this one. And Ata,
2: Ata was super mean, and it wasn't like yeah. bullshit, lazy heel Ata. This was like Ata mixed with Bob Holly almost like he's digging in with his boot in ways. I just, this was, this was mean Ata, which was nice to see.
3: And it was something that, you know, with Doi and with uh, Ata, like you have two of your, like kids, we're talking about like Mount Rushmore of Dragon Gate tag team wrestlers. Nuruki Doi is front and center. Like he is getting the George Washington treatment there about great tag team wrestlers throughout the company. I mean, speed muscle, Yama, like come on
2: he's but, one of the single greatest tag team wrestlers ever
3: period yeah. i i mean modern wrestlers have called him a lot like bobby eaton in the way that he wrestled in the way he thinks about the wrestling business like yes. Doi is doy is a genius and you have Ata who in his own right might not be on the mount rushmore of dragon gate tag team wrestlers but he wouldn't be far behind he would be in he he would be in he would be on your short list you might cut him off you know before you start talking about like shingo or you know things like this but he would be on your list there and they just went out there with the current top tag team i would say in the promotion and daya and yoshioka and you got meanness like you said out of Eita and doi the chemistry between yoshioka and doi was phenomenal and dragon daya is there anyone who has gotten as smooth in his and their style and rings that like we talked about the christmas of kaito nagano three months in but case you remember five years ago where i was saying like dragon dia like i don't know about this guy take a look at where he's been over the over his career so far it's phenomenal
2: tremendous the, stuff. the, the same tone that we just spoke about ria fuda and is where you were at with dragon dia for the first year of his career
3: well to be fair to me i had a lot of reasons to believe that
2: yes i i, I was always a little bit more bullish on him but you know he was as somebody who didn't, you know, had a lot of hype just because of the character in his debut and then didn't make the splashiest debut and then was hurt and was sick and was this and was that. And he just wasn't really around. He debuted in November of 2018 and he wasn't really around until November of 2019. That first year of his career is odd.
3: And then he closed out 2019 by then separating his shoulder.
2: Yes. And then once here, I mean, look, I I was gonna save this for the main event of the the Nagoya show. I'll, I'll say it here. There's nothing he can't do, and as a babyface wrestler, he is the total package. I mean, I to to me, he is a top ten wrestler in the world this year and a borderline top five wrestler. It's something I really, really flirted with. He is, uh, after this match, I believe he's at 15 matches for me at four stars or higher this year, which is more than Jackie Funky Kame, which is more than Yuki Yoshioka, which is more than Shun Skywalker. He, he's he's the guy, and as a babyface in wrestling, he's become the gold standard. He is athletic, he is sympathetic, he is energetic. He is everything that I want and yuki yoshioka has been an enormous success this year just objectively from the box office from an entering standpoint yuki yoshioka this experiment has seemed to work i don't know if it works as well if he's not alongside dragon Daya, who has just been everything that he's needed Daya, to me has become a borderline perfect wrestler again he just does everything everything that I want out of a one B baby face. He's never going to be that top guy. He might never even challenge for the Dreamgate title, but as a Bravegate gate champion, as a twin gate champion, as a triangle gate champion, as somebody that can credibly headline a show and win or lose a big match against anybody. He, he is exactly what I want. He is a special, special wrestler who's going to be approaching, you know, he just, he just passed his four year anniversary mark and he's only going to get better. You know, part of the excitement with him for a few years was, you know, we would hear uh, when we talked to Jay on this podcast, you know, he told the story of Lenny Leonard showed Genki Horiguchi uh, El Hio del Vikingo clips. And Genki kind of shrugged and was like, well, what's, what's the big deal? Dragon Diet can do all of that. Like, he can do more of it. I mean, I talk to people that, that have known Dragon Diet on a personal level. They're like, dude, you don't understand what this guy is like he's just next level for for 2020 and part of 2021 the appeal of dragon dia was the potential that we're seeing and it's not that he has become this Rey mysterio junior level high flyer where he's constantly blowing our minds he's become this world-class technician this world-class well-rounded wrestler that never misses a beat he's never in the wrong spot he's never doing anything that isn't great in both the doi match here and in the main event of nagoya It was really on display just how good of a wrestler he is. And, uh, you know, uh, again, he's just one of many in this promotion. I I think any company in Japan or North America or Europe, wherever, anywhere across the world, they would kill to have a guy this talented on their roster.
3: And it's something, Case, that we didn't really observe that when it happened, but we are past the one year anniversary of the double mask match. And you look at all the work that led up to like with all with with how snake bit dragon dio was basically up until he came back into masquerade for good dead or alive 2021 like it was something where he it just constantly was one thing or another but when since he came back for good he has been on a tear and ever since i would say Dragon or Dia Infernos are popping up. So we're talking about November 2020. Yes. The work there for the, the, sadly the feud kind of got prolonged longer than I think everyone was expected, but they were able to over time, maybe the time actually worked out in the end that we then looked up February of 2021 at the most startling result in a dragon system of quest of all time and be like, wow, they did that with Dragon Dia." I don't think anyone, could have expected after that double mass match that dragon dia would not just be become this like next generation 1b character because that's what he is i mean we uh, when he debuted i always harped on about the fact that he is a dragon and what that means we're seeing that in action now and we're seeing that with him unmasked weirdly enough and it's something that like i thought of him always like okay you're gonna have to be like the dragon kid like figure but losing the mask like i it's something where i know case you say You've said that he might not even challenge for the Dreamgate title. I'm now in a position where I look at Dragon Dia, take a step back, and I'm like, you know, you don't have to make too many weird scenarios for me to completely buy in and oh, a future where Dragon Dia is Dreamgate champion. You don't, you're not going to have to tr- twist my arm too much to get me to believe in that.
2: Oh, he certainly has the potential. He He's... You know, he's a small guy on a roster full of small guys, and it's sort of the SB Kento theory where if he was three inches taller, he might already be Dreamgate champion. If Dragon Daya was three inches taller, I think the same thing could be said. I, I think instead, Yuki Yoshioka won the Dreamgate belt. I think that's the reality of of Daya's height compared to Yoshioka's height. But he is, uh, you know, I- I- the the mask versus mask match last year was one of the most shocking results, maybe the single most shocking result in dragon history i never would have expected a dragon to lose their mask and then for him to do it and then this plan and we'll talk about this again in a few weeks when we kind of recap the year from the first cork and hall show they made it so abundantly clear this year is going to be about dragon dia it's going to be a, about yuki yoshioka and you look at where we are now most people listening to this december 14th Oh, my God. I mean, they've they've done it. It's worked. It's 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 great. Houses are up across the board. You know, they're they're crushing it in all of their main markets. This is this is an overwhelming success. And it speaks to just how talented the, the guys in D Courage are.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's something that has been really special. But Nuruki Toy Case, Nuruki Toy now he is free did you see uh i i almost sent this to you but i figure you already caught it uh did you see ultimo's instagram post about toy
2: oh no i didn't let me pull this up yeah it it was a couple days ago
3: it was i think after the uh, corkin show so it was last week
2: I thought uh, this is a quote from Ultimo Dragon on Instagram. I thought Doi had left Dragon Gate, but I was very happy and surprised to still see him here. <laughs> hey. <gasps> yeah. Dragon, funny motherfucker.
3: <laughs> you, you, you know, I think sometimes he switches the English for a reason.
2: <laughs> and then sometimes he no sells English for a reason.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's but...
2: incredible. <laughs> Case, uh, I, I'm. I think
3: I'm ready to, you know, you know how we didn't really match the year watch did not really take off the way we thought. Uh, I, I, I have been in the Spears of Asian Meteorological Labs, and I'm, I, I think we're ready to declare a watch here going into 2023.
2: With uh, Doi versus Yoshioka?
3: That is correct. I I'm officially my, my antennas up case. Okay, so I, 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 I'm going to be like sifting every single tea leaf possible. Cause I think that we might be in a world where like with everything that, that with toy, you know, like this, why not have him built up when he's around for a dream gate shot and cash it in on champion gate.
2: So if you look at Yuki Oshioca, who's doing the gimmick of, he wants to wrestle former open the dream gate champions. And you look at the list of guys who are available, meaning not Shima, and not Masao Yoshino, and not Shingo. I think that's pretty much everybody who's off the list.
3: Think, Liger, probably not. L-
2: Liger, Liger's not there, you're right. I left Liger <laughs> off. Other than that, I think I've got every, everybody there. So, the list of available names, that they want to continue this gimmick, the list of available names that he has left, he has Ben Kay, who is wrestling at Final Gate. He has Kai, Shun Skywalker, BB Hulk, Susumu Yokosuka, Susumu Mochizuki, uh, one guy there, but two names, Don Fuji, Rio Saito, Magnitude Kishiwada, Naruki Doi, and just to help me get through the day, I wrote down Pac as well.
3: I, I mean, you know, you know me. I, I I'm right now looking at a Pac action figure. You know, <laughs> the only wrestling action figure <laughs> I thought as an adult
2: <laughs> was Pac. I, I bought a CM Punk one a few years ago, and I mm. I am not against buying a Pac action figure if the the opportunity presents itself.
3: Hey, who knows that the only other time I will be able to get a pack action figure, you know, as pack, you know?
2: Yes, exactly. So th- there's a list there, and I, you know, obviously the Ben K match is happening. I, I think it would be extremely foolish to not do the Shun Skywalker match. Outside of that, I think Fuji's a realistic possibility, especially you know, uh, given some stuff that went down this weekend. I think, well, he already beat Kai. That's right. He beat Kai. So forget him. I don't think they're going to do Yoshioka versus BB Hulk. That seems like it would be a mistake. I don't think they're going to do Yoshioka versus Susumu Mochizuki. So you're looking at a point now where it's, it's Shun Skywalker, which I don't know about you, Mike. I think that match is too small for champion gate. I would almost be disappointed if they did it there.
3: With how Doi has been marginalized on before his exit. I think that's kind of where you can trust it.
2: Is doing Yoshioka versus Doi at Champion Gate, and then hypothetically doing Yoshioka versus Skywalker at Dead or Alive.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that would be my path.
2: I, I'm I'm there with you. You can't ignore the fact that Doi just pinned Dragon Daya. That is an uncommon occurrence, and it caught me by surprise. And it's uh, you know again like we talked about with the booking of of a rookie and Kato. You know that's. That's not an accident. You know, that's something you you have every right to have your antenna up based on the result of that match. And you look at the names that are available. It's not going to be Yoshioka versus Sumu at Champion Gate. Let's cross our fingers and hope to God it's not going to be Yoshioka versus BB Hulk at Champion Gate. The GM's not going to give himself a title match, and Magnitude Kishiwata is not walking through that door. You're you're running out of guys here pretty quick. And Doi is somebody that is not going to embarrass him at the box office. He can fill that small Osaka building. And then from there, and this is kind of what I want to expand this conversation into, I think we're looking at a title run here that could very easily go over a year. I I don't know where you stand on the Yoshioka run. I'm not ready for it to be over at all. I think, you know, going into the Ben K match, it's about 70-30 Yoshioka favored. But if he gets through that... This is somebody that I could see holding the belt at this time next year.
3: It would be the, the, there's one person that I see immediately coming in and taking the belt. Like as soon as they come in, they take the belt, and that's SBK. If SBK returns with a face turn,
2: I so so. Let's let's throw this out there because we're going to talk a lot about the Nagoya market in just a second, and that has become Sb Kento country in the same way that for a long time, you know, obviously Altimo's from there. Ultimo owned that town. Dragon Kid's from there. Dragon Kid owned that town. It's that it's now become Sb Kento territory. We know that he's in North America through the end of the year. We reported on this show that U.S. indie promoters have a chance to book him through New Year's Eve of 2022. We don't know his return date to Japan. Is it realistic to say that whether he comes back at Dead or Alive and ends the show confronting Yoshioka or he is back by Dead or Alive and ends the show confronting Yoshioka that they pivot from former Dreamgate champions to SB Kento saying that he wants to forge his own path and challenge Yoshioka for the belt and that's, to me, not an unrealistic Kobe world main event?
3: I mean, eventually, you know, there'll be no more Ghosts to conquer.
2: We're, we're, we're it's a shorter list than people realize uh, again, especially yeah. if, you, if, if you let, let's say we're going to avoid that BB Hulk match. And just given the way that Susumu Mochizuki has been treated since and the Fuji. time, and well, the thing with Fuji is that it, and I, I, this came up during the Nagoya show where he was talking about how, and I completely forgot this, you know, he was supposed to have a Fuji unit with Hyo, and with Yuki Yoshioka, and I think with Katsumi Takashima was the third name there, and Yuki Yoshioka in the match leading up to that angle, blew out his knee and had to get knee surgery, and then so the unit was scrapped. I, I can't shake that they could do a Fuji-Cork and Hall Dreamgate match. It's not realistic, but I also can't rule it out.
3: Yeah, I guess. I just, it's something that I may mean, it be his first uh, Dreamgate match in six years at that point. And... It's something that with with the Tori mod generation, we're seeing that more and more like this, that there's just kind of like a, a line in my head where like basically if you debuted before Ryo Saito, I don't expect you to get another Dreamgate shot unless you are like, unless you are Misaki Mochizuki. You know, like Susumu, I felt like we saw Susumu's last title shot. I think, at, at that, least
2: for the time being, I think it would be too quick to cycle him back into that fold. It's no different than the way that Masaki Mochizuki has been handled. You know, we're told right. every time he wrestles at the Dream Gate, this is it, this is the last one. This is it, this is the last one. We finally hit that point with susumi Mochizuki, and it's going to take about a full calendar year for that to reset.
3: I yeah, I mean maybe two, but it, it, it's something where eventually there will be no more ghosts of the past to conquer and unless it's sb coming in and they're immediately doing that with sb i do think we are in for a longer yoshioka run i mean you look at how basically since yamato dropped the belt it has been there's been a couple like six to nine month run reigns but we have not had an a long dream gate run like one of those like defining dream gate runs since 26 like 2017 like it's about time for one of those
2: so again, to reiterate, I, I think the realistic path forward, he's got the Ben match at final gate, which I, I, you know, it's not impossible for Ben K to win that match. I do think no, Yoshioka's is no. still the favorite, but yeah,
3: uh, I, you know. I would say that this is the first one that there is a realistic possibility.
2: Look, like we talked about last week, Ben K might be the single most over wrestler in the company right now. He's red hot. And if you don't realize that you need to, that this gimmick, it's funny, you know, for so much of Ben Kay's career, there was the the narrative that the American or the English-speaking fan, rather, was more into Ben K than the Japanese fan was. And that has flipped with this Gold Class gimmick. I, I I don't think everybody fully realizes just how over Ben K is in the buildings. And if you need proof, go back to the end of last week's and Hall show when Yoshioka unboxes that rose and the, the and erupts. I mean, like a, a normal cheer comes out of that building. So you've got him at Final Gate. And then if you go down the list of of guys that can still realistically challenge for the Dream Gate, I think it's Doi and I think it's Shun Skywalker and I think that could be Champion Gate in Dead or Alive right there. And if it sounds unrealistic to say, well, this is Yoshioka's first run as a Dream Gate champion, you know, I I, I don't think they're going to give him the belt that long because you know you look at somebody like like the way that New Japan books where Gato loves that first title run and then a quick loss to establish that they can be world champion and then their fight to get the belt back. But if you look at the history of Dragon Gate and the way they've handled their first Dream Gate champions, you know, Mochizuki's first reign, 323 days. Yamato's first reign, 449 days. Yoshino's first reign, 277 days. BB Hulk's first reign, 329 days. Shun Skywalker's first reign, 259 days. As we sit here the day we're recording this, Yoshioka's been champion for 137 days. I can see that being doubled. That would not surprise me if we head into Kobe world and he's champions still. And it wouldn't surprise me with the law of the land right now with the lay of the land, rather if he leaves Kobe world 2023 as champion. Now a million things are going to change for all we know. Yoshiki Kato could take the belt from him in champion Gate in March. Right? Who knows what's going to happen, but I think we at least have to wrap our heads around the idea that Yoshioka could be champion for a very long time because It's working at the box office. It's working in the ring. And for the first time in a long time, we have a Dreamgate champion where I'm not antsy for them to lose the belt. I'm not antsy for them to lose the belt. And I'm not antsy about what's coming next. I, I, I feel like even if they run the course on former Dreamgate champions, there's a path forward with the young guys getting their first shot at the belt. And I think that's super interesting as well.
3: Now, here is the 1% question. Yuki Oshioca is 28 now. Does the rain continue when he's 30? Will he be holding a continuous one? 1% chance. So this is like moonshot here. So just so that we have his exact age on hand right now, uh, he will turn 30 on September 14th, uh,
2: 2024. So that's a two-year run with the belt. I don't see that happening.
3: You don't think they might want to take care of that one thing in the record book that's been kind of looming?
2: I've, I've, I feel like that's SB Kento's job.
3: Fair enough. Fair enough. Valid. Totally valid there. But speaking of that Final Gate main event, uh, Yoshioka's opponent was in the main event of the Kyoto show. This was Gold classa uh, Binke, Kodaman or Minarita, Versus the Z-Brats team of Shun Skywalker, Heo, and Ishan. All right, we got to explain the the finish here, guys. So Ben did a spear on Heo. Minorita was completely washed out. And then Ben picked up uh, Minorita and I won't say placed him on him. He kind of like threw him on top of him to get the win. Uh, uh, Minorita immediately started challenging for the Brave Gate. We would not get an answer. Heo was kind of just like, shaking his head and says we got another match pin me then without this junk and you can get a title shot there but minorita with a pin on the Bravegate champion to close out the final show of 2022 in kyoto
2: you know i didn't love this match I, I really thought it was just kind of an okay main event coming off of that excellent tag team match but i love where this is going with minorita and hyo
3: this is this was really fun like this was something that it was a step down from that tag match but i really enjoyed like the little like flashes we got to see of ben like he did like this like electric chair throw on hill that was one of the nastiest things i've seen in years like he just like picked him up on his shoulders like he was playing chicken and just dumped him over his back
2: yeah, it's a, it's, it's a solid combination of guys. I, I, I wish, and I, I kind of pointed this out last week, that I thought this was an interesting main event over D-Courage versus A-10 Doi, and just with the way the, the show flowed, I think I would have enjoyed this a little bit more had it gone on before A-10 Doi versus D-Courage, but nevertheless, a really strong match, and you know, I I think we're approaching a point where Minarita is, is soon going to uh, win the Open the Brave Gate Championship, which I'm excited about.
3: Let's move on then to Nagoya. This was on the 11th. I Do you know the last time that they had a... I, I mean, they were not doing Ustream in Nagoya, I think. I think it's been close to a decade since there was like a live show from Nagoya and or from this this specific building, the Aichi Nagoya Congress Center. I feel like it's been like a decade since this all happened.
2: That's a, that's a great question. I don't know... I don't know when they stopped running this on TV. I mean, let me go back to to 2014, just at a random show. This was definitely not televised. Um, Yeah, this doesn't... I don't remember T-Hawk versus Yamato in a 30-minute draw. I don't remember that making TV, and that was 2013. Let me go back another year just to see as we kind of approach the modern era of of television tapings. This looks like it aired. Cage Match says this was on Gayora December 1st, 2013, uh, top two matches, Shima, Dragon Kid, and Masaki Mochizuki versus Fumita, T-Hawk, and U-T, and then the eight-man Nagoya-style elimination match with Hulk, Cyber Kong, Doi, and Yamato versus Tozawa, Yoshino, Shingo, and Sachihoko Boy. To my knowledge, just again from what Cage Match is telling me, that might have been the last time that TV was taped in this building.
3: So we're we're talking about close to a decade, one way or another. But nine hundred and sixty-eight people. Case I know you have been looking at the numbers here. This is an insane number. Like this like last year we were getting excited about 710. They they could have broken a thousand here, I feel like. I feel like that now that's on the table.
2: I think this is a super interesting market to look at. Um I compiled a bunch of attendance totals. From the promotions that have run this specific building this year, as well as the Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium, which I want to look at. That's where Drangate runs that are alive. I'm just going to kind of go promotion by promotion here and go through some numbers. Mike, please stop me if at any point I hit on something that you specifically want to speak on. Uh, If you look at Dragate, they've run this building three times this year. They ran it March 20th with a main event of Ishida, Minora, Minorita, and Doi versus Shimizu, Kamei, KZ, and UT. That did 551 fans. In August, they came back with D Courage uh, with Kakuta as the assistant versus Shimizu, KZ, and UT. That did 608 fans. And then obviously this show, which did 969 fans in this building for Ben K and Coach Minora versus Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka. Again, that number was 969. If you look at what Stardom has done in this building this year, they've run, I I think, eight times was the number that I came up with. Cage match is odd. This building has two different listings in cage match, so I I, I compiled the two together. Uh, Stardom, on June 26th, ran a show, a six-woman steel cage match main evented, that did 1,213 fans. They returned a month later on July twenty fourth with Siri versus Tam Nakano in the main event. That did a thousand and sixty-four fans. And then returned on September nineteenth for a show that did four hundred and sixty-six fans. And a month later, October ninth, six hundred and twenty five fans. So
3: for Siri versus Tom Nakano, that was that for Red Belt?
2: Uh yes, I believe so.
3: Okay. Yeah, that that's, uh, I thought that was. I just wanted to make sure for that. So like they really loaded it up and then just took it all away. Yeah, so uh, a,
2: a giant cage match that did 1,200 fans and a. am assuming that Stardom's world title that did just over 1,000.
3: Yeah, the Red Belt's world of Stardom.
2: Yes. If you look at all Japan, I think these are super interesting. They run here on April 29th. This was a champion carnival show. Main event was Kento Miyahara versus Yuma Aoyagi. This show does 504 fans. They return in August for the Royal Road Tournament main event, Yuji Nagata versus Yoshitatsu. That does 417 fans. And then they were in this building November 23rd for the Real World Tag League with Miyahara and Nomura versus Nagata. And then that rookie, Anzai, uh, that show did 477 fans. So All Japan can't seem to crack uh, any more than just a hair over 500. If you look at what Pro Wrestling Noah did, they ran this building, the N1 tournament, on August 27th with Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Satoshi Kojima. That showed us 559 fans, which I, I will take a pause here to say I think that is an atrocious number.
3: Yeah, especially if Kojima
2: coming in. Yeah. yeah, that is not good. Uh, DDT ran this building on September 4th. This was headlined by Higuchi and Yoshimura versus Harishima and Toru Owashi. This show also had Etsushi Onita on it. Yeah. It did... uh, <laughs> Go ahead.
3: Owashi <laughs> is a Nagoya native. He does all the DT uh, Nagoya shows.
2: Yes. Uh, this show did 529 fans and then uh before i talk about new japan real quick big japan ran here uh the the death mania show on august 28th with Kamatani versus kobayashi in the main event and that unfortunately did 324 fans for them which is more than they've drawn to uh it's about what they're drawing to Korokan as well more uh, so
3: that, that that actually is close to 50 percent more than they drew to Korokan lot this month
2: yeah that's uh yeah, I, uh, big Japan's a, a different story. Uh, as for New Japan, they run this building a handful of times throughout the year. They ran it on the May fifteenth Super Junior show that was headlined by Ishimori versus Yo. That did fifteen forty one, and that is really the number that you can see even in the COVID era. You can put that many fans in the building. Uh, that that was a great number. And then interestingly enough, they ran here. They ran a house show on September third. Uh, I mean, a complete nothing show uh, with just random tags on it. That did 939 fans, so Drangate's a uh, December outing and a handful of Stardom shows edged them out in this building. But I, I, the, the, the real point here is, you know, look, Stardom can put a world title match here, and they can put a cage match here, and they can do a respectable number. They can also do a show in which they draw 466 fans. It's really interesting that, to me, that Dr- Dragon Gate has this show that, you know, does... Does an Ultimo singles match add a few people to it? Probably. But we also saw an entire show built around him in July that was a box office failure. Ultimately, I just think this comes down to the fact that they're super hot in this market and they're doing this without SB Kento. And I, I have no reason to believe that if SB Kento wasn't on this show, or if SB Kento was on this show, rather they they would have cracked a thousand fans because... We have talked at length over the last year about him becoming a legitimate draw, not only nationwide, but especially in his hometown, which this would be his homecoming show had he been in Japan. Uh, they're just super healthy in Nagoya. This is a market they touch a few times a year. It's a market they treat with respect, and it is a market that feels incredibly hot for them right now, and that's without going over the Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium statistics, which I want to talk about in just a second, uh, unless you have any thoughts here.
3: I I I did have to go look t- to remind myself. Oh, neither Taiti Mori or Yo are from uh, uh, Nagoya. I did have to go look to check for that because I was like fifteen hundred. That's insane. And I was like, are either of them Nagoya? That that's Dragon Gate brain for you. You immediately go look for hometowns. And you wonder if they were if that's why they drew.
2: I, I did the same thing with the with the big gymnasium and a guy that pops up in a few different main events there that I was uh, kind of scratching my head as to why he was in so many main events. I also want to point out real quick, and you can go back a year. I mean, it was a year ago this week that we were discussing this. Last year's Dragon Gate show in this building from December 19th, headlined by SP Kento versus UT in a Brave Gate match. Two hometown guys. This match, I mean, you remember it, Mike. This felt like a huge deal at the time. That did 713 fans, which outdrew the Noah show from December 5th, which had Hayata versus Tarusuke in a junior title match. It had an eight-man tag match with Im's Alliance of Muta, Mochizuki, Masato Tanaka, and Naomichi Marifuji. It also had the Go Shiozaki return match with Go and Kiyomiya versus Nakajima and Kano. And that did six eighteen. which, I, I mean, we, you know, it's not that this podcast is anti-NOAA, but we had a field day with SB Kento outdrawing two huge, you know, supposedly huge NOAA matches and a title match on that show.
3: Yeah, it, it's just something that's kind of remarkable that, I think that there's something that is replicable across the wrestling world. What Dragon Gate has done in Nagoya, you know, like especially like when you think about like USNDS trying to differentiate themselves and not being able to do so. This is like okay, we are based. Uh, whenever we go to Nagoya, we are building our shows around these guys up top. They're the local guys. They're the ones that'll be easy to get out there do promotions for it and build it around there. Like it's so replicable. You could go do this for like your local indie. And I feel like it's, it, it of course would be like grades of difference there, but I feel like that this is a model that more people, more promoters should be looking at and analyzing.
2: AEW was close to getting it. I think they're as close to getting it as they're going to that we've seen them make as much of hometown shows as they possibly can, but it's, it's a little wild to me that more Japanese promotions don't take advantage of, well, we're in this guy's hometown, you know, here he is, he, come see him, and, you know, it's like we talk. about, it's why I hate those those studies, those statistics of bulk attendance, because, you know, the Dragon Gate just goes to all these little villages, and maybe they're drawing two, three, four hundred fans, but not only does it matter, because other promotions, if, you know, Dragon is drawing two or three hundred, they're drawing 80 or 90, but as we see, you know, with your Dragon Dyers and your Takumi Fujiwaras, these people that are coming from these tiny little villages... Their exposure to wrestling is Dragon Gate. It's what is local to them, and we're seeing an entire generation of stars with that story. You know, I mean, you, Ut, who's from here, Ut is the perfect example. He watched Dragon Kid wrestle. He said, "I want to do that. I want to be like my hometown hero."
3: And it's something that's not just within Dragon Gate. Like, other than like Hazuki, who most notably big Kelly Kelly fans got her into wrestling if you look at like stardom's lineup when they go like favorite wrestler going up, like who got in wrestling, it's all dragon gate. And it's not just because of how dragon gate markets. It's the fact that dragon gate goes to all the towns. Like they made a big deal when dragon gates across the threshold of having done a show in every prefecture in Japan. And not a lot of those prefectures are very populated in comparison to Tokyo. So it's sometimes you leave a mark and that's how you get a UT, you know, and that's how you get a Mayu Iwatani. So it's kind of remarkable.
2: Just to expand on this, to go to the big gymnasium, the IT Prefectural Gymnasium, which is where they run Dead or Alive every year. You know, there's there's been I think what I've got here seven shows that have been in that building this year. There was and and you got to remember this is going back to the start of the year when attendance capacities were a little bit different. There were still more restrictions in place, but start them on January twenty ninth with Surrey versus Morai, one thousand three hundred and six fans. New Japan Cup on March 12th with Sonata versus Hanare in the main event, which talked about a match that caught me by surprise as headlining a show. Uh, Sonata versus Hanare did 1,722 fans. Dragon Gate Dead or Alive with Kai versus Susumu in the main event, 2,640 fans. And I think it's particularly interesting when you compare with the next two shows. New Japan G1 Climax on July 30th, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. as the main event. That brought in 2,225 fans. And then the next night, G1, Naito versus Evil, your headliner, 2,741 fans. Kai versus Susumu was 100 fans off of Naito versus Evil in the G1, and it beat Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr., and I think that's super interesting.
3: So Sonata's from the region. If you were wondering,
2: is he, I, I,
3: Niigata um, is a part of Chubu, which is the region that has Aichi Nagoya.
2: Okay. I confused myself in my own research. So thank you for telling me that because the other two shows that ran here Stardom ran here again on August 21st uh, with Suri versus Takahashi in the main event that did 1353. And then new Japan just ran a tag league show here on November 27th with Goto and Yoshihashi versus Sonata and Naito. And that did 1,911. So other than the 1G1 show with Naito versus Evil, which, look, to people's credit, I I had some people in my life tell me that was a super hot match. I refuse to believe it. That is the only thing in that building that has outdrawn Susumu versus Kai this year.
3: It's just like you, you focus on a town and you see
2: results. They treat us. I mean, look, Dead or Alive is is never a bad show. Twenty twenty one was weird with Kakuta getting injured, but it's a, it, it's it sounds uh, perhaps at the risk of sounding corny, it's a town that they treat with respect, and they've done that ever since they debuted. You know, Ultimo's from here, Dragon Kids from here, UTs from here, Sb Kento's from here. Guys that are weaved into the fabric of this promotion are from this town, and and thus when you come here, you know, you're able to put on a card. You know, this was. This was an okay show from an in-ring perspective. I kind of thought Kyoto blew it away, but you're able to put in a 1,000 fans in what is a, a Road 2 match, your Road 2 show with Ben K and Minora versus Dai and Yoshioka in this main event. Look, Yoshioka, as we've talked about, Yoshioka's hot, okay? Time after time, he has raised the attendance uh, uh, in each territory, in each town, rather, the longer he's been champion. Like I said earlier, Ben K might be the single most over guy in the company. To me, that match drew the fans more so than Ultimo versus Dragon Kid did. If there are people that are living in Japan that have more knowledge and say otherwise, please let us know. I'd be more than happy to come on here next week and and, and tell people otherwise and say I was wrong. But this is a company that is hot in general right now in the grand scheme of COVID wrestling. they They are hotter than others. And in this market specifically, this is a market that they own. I mean, again, nobody on a national scale touches what New Japan does, but they they come close to rivaling New Japan and Nagoya, and that's just something we have to look at going forward.
3: Absolutely. So uh, let's get into the show itself. Please. Um, like you, entering this kyoto it was a throw something in the water in kyoto uh nagoya was was more of a return to like a row two show we opened up with an eight-man tag uh the entire complement of m3k so misaki susumu and mochizuki jr uh with yazushi kanda versus Aita problem dragon kaito nagano and yoshiki kato it was kanda with a geku judo elbow drop on nagano so kato again not eating the fall in a match
2: yeah, very intentional there. I made note of that as well. Uh, but once again, Kaito Nagano, uh, a lightning rod. I mean, somebody that everybody, Yasushi Kanda included, looked really, really good against. I actually thought the closing stretch here with Kondo and uh, Kanda and Nagano in the ring alone with one another was awesome. This was a really fun way to start the show.
3: Yeah, and this was like my second favorite match on the show. Like, I like the main of the main event was my highest rated match. This was number two for me.
2: I I am in the same boat. Uh oh, no, af- no, actually there's one I like more, but I I I will get to that when we get to that.
3: Fair enough. Uh after the match, Soccer was mad he wasn't on the show, especially since it was streaming live for free on the Dragon Gate Network. Uh and he wants to call out people. This brought out Mochizuki. Uh, and then basically he absolutely just got destroyed. Running high kick, seven second loss for Konomawa Chikawa.
2: He had a QR code painted on his stomach. I don't know if you saw that or not.
3: I couldn't catch it. You know, he wasn't around long enough for me to catch that QR code.
2: Yeah, I I, I saw a photo of it. I did not scan it. I, I don't want to know what's behind it, but I, I should note that, <laughs> that Kodomami had a painted-on QR code on his body.
3: Yeah, you never know where that's going to take you. No,
2: I, I don't want to know.
3: <laughs> Another singles match. A lot of singles matches on the show. Uh, This one was Madoka Kakuda versus Punchstone Managa. Jay on Twitter brought up that this match happened because... Uh, Punch Managa was mad that Kakuda took his spot in the Shingo Takagi match. Of course, he wants to go after Shingo Takagi after Shingo Takagi treated him that way since 2009, but it would not happen as Madoka Kakuta just destroyed him with a lariat. Case, okay, so I'm retiring Hand of God unless he does the discus. He's not been doing the discus anymore. It's just a straight up lariat. Which but is it disappointing.
2: It's disappointing. I mean, look, he's got the pile driver. He's got the ass attack, but none of those moves are as good as the uh, the discus lariat.
3: Yeah, yeah. He was cratering people with that.
2: Yeah, no, this was a uh, look. I mean, Kakuta, they're doing the right thing with him. He feels hot. He's beating guys easily. I I think he's going to look really good in the Shingo match, even if the promo segment, as we determined last week, was a little bit disappointing
3: yeah i mean maybe he just needs to get punched in the mouth and then he'll fire up but i'm not questioning his ability in in that match but you know the the fire you know that might come later uh then we had z versus an interesting tag team of manorita and Fuda. the z pairing was Hio, building off of the main event in kyoto the night before in diamante and before this match really ever got going they did a very convoluted a referee chair distraction shot where Diamante had a chair and was pulling attention so that Heo could find another chair. And then he exploded the chair across Rio Fuda's head for the DQ.
2: Yeah, I I I enjoyed this. Uh the, I, I hope that at at some point we get more minarita Diamante stuff. Now again, we've got to talk about Rio Fuda here, just a complete afterthought and and just so obviously a lost post here, but the Minarita Hyo stuff, I, I don't know where you're at. It's very much working for me.
3: Oh, like Minarita as a character is just, like, he jumps off the page. Like, I'm I very t- close to writing down, in my notes case, what a delightful uh, collection of Deviant Skull classes now. Because they're, they're all, like, completely strange in their own way. I mean, Minarita is older than the person he is emulating. Like, that, that does not I, get I, I, enough.
2: I, I didn't know that.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. is younger than uh, uh, Haikawa. Than ah,
2: God, that's really funny. I didn't know that.
3: <laughs> and, and then you have Ben, who develops a personality for the first time in his career after watching YouTube videos. And could have been Nora, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what weirdness he gets up to other than, you know, being an egomaniac. Gold Class is just, they're a bunch of deviants, and I love them now.
2: It's maybe the single most interesting unit in Drangate history. And when you think about it, they formed officially in February or, or early March, maybe. And they've just, they've already gone through so many versions of what they are. You know, they were menorah Ishida and Doi, and they were uh, looking to bring women back to Drangate. And then you see that fall apart and you see this weird menorah-led unit that craters the box office and isn't entertaining. And you know, I've been Kota Minora's biggest supporter since he debuted. And I I hated him during that time period and it wasn't interesting at all. And then, you know, luckily Minorita acted as a saving grace. And then all of a sudden, you know, again, this the 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 Ben charisma injection, which the only thing I can compare it to is when Shinsuke Nakamura came back from Mexico. And decided that he was going to become the single most charismatic wrestler in the world. Now, Ben K is not at that level, but it's also not an unrealistic comparison at this point to look at where he started and where Nakamura started and where Ben K is at now and where Nakamura ended up. I mean, it's it's incredible to see this unit in less than a year take on so many different life forms and i think at final gate not to get ahead of ourselves here but i i think at final gate is going to be rewarded for a year of hard work and i think he's going to take home his first championship
3: it's something where i feel like over the next 12 days case okay, so i'm going to talk myself into Mer- Minorita winning this title i don't think he is at this point but the more like i think about this storyline the more i think about Minorita, you you're going to be able I don't think next week's show you're going to be able to talk me into it, but I think after Final Gate you will.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll make this point yeah. now. You could I'll let it marinate with you for a few weeks. It's Final Gate. They like treating the fans nicely at Final Gate. This is an act that went from uh, again people, you know, felt great sympathy for him when it first started because they felt like it was this small guy getting bullied, and it has become this this anchor of the promotion in a way. I mean it's become this beloved act that you know again it's only been around you know eight or nine months it feels like it's been much longer and you know again he's still only a year into his career and i think he's going to be rewarded i think that he's the perfect guy to beat hyo too because if it's and i'm just looking at the roster page now you know if it's dragon dia again or if it's jason lee or if it's dragon kid hyo is beautiful in that he can beat anybody he can lose to anybody but that's going to take away some of the sting of Hyo. if somebody just goes out there and definitively proves that he's better than – that they're better than Hyo in a big title match. Minerita's going to get a fluke win. He's going to roll him up. He's going to do something. There's going to be shenanigans in that match.
3: Headlock takeover.
2: It, 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 headlock takeover. And Hio's going to lose, but he's not going to lose his edge, and he's going to be able to walk right into that Kobe Samba Hall show a few days later. And then once the calendar flips over, Osaka, Kyoto, Cork, and Hall, those first big four shows of the year, and he's, he's going to be tough on He's going to be okay.
3: You moved the needle. Unlike Roman Reigns, you've moved the needle.
2: R- Roman Reigns, a historic failure. Me, not so much.
3: <laughs> well, speaking about failures of differing levels according to different periods of Dragon Gate – the next match was the other singles match of the evening. Takashi Yoshida versus Big Boss Shimizu coming off of the show opener in Kyoto. It was Yoshida winning an inside with an inside cradle in 7 minutes and 58 seconds and then celebrating like he won a gold medal in the dang Olympics case.
2: <laughs> Look, it's, it's the, the paradox that we live in with Takashi Yoshida. Was this a good match? No. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Takashi Yoshida is an amazing character wrestler he is somebody that should probably be doing studio wrestling somewhere in the 1980s like again he was this this monster heel this one note wrestler for so many years and then we find out that this this monster is actually this this lovable loser who has been he's taken me on on so many emotional roller coasters over the last year and this This Shimizu feud, you know, this feud with uh, Natural Vibes is going to result in a twin gate match in a few days. It's more of the same from him. He's been masterful, sucking me into his matches that I ultimately don't enjoy and that I I don't want to care about. But I I think that... uh, Gate of Origin with him and Yamato, in, and I think that's going to do a decent number. You know, I had predicted that Yamato and Dragon Kid would be challenging for the Twin Gate belts at that show. Instead, we're going to get Yamato and Takashi Yoshida. I-, I-, I think that's a solid main event. I think Yoshida has done everything in his power specifically to make sure that that match matters.
3: And it's something that no Yamato on the show here when we were talking about Nagoya. So yeah, he, do, do you know
2: what he do you know what he was doing?
3: Was he in Okinawa?
2: He was in Okinawa. Let me pull up the match because I, I, I know I, I saw it. it. Um it was gurken Mask and Yamato versus Tiran Shisa and Yuji Hino. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I but, and
3: first take, only take, that sounds about right. But yeah. but
2: th- think about that and think about just uh, again, you know, I I understand even if this show is not designed to cheerlead, you and I follow this company closer than anybody else, and we generally like what's going on, which leads to positivity. Whether I want this, you know, I, I I sometimes wish we were more negative on this show. We just happen to really like what we cover. But that's a thousand fans in a building at a time when nobody is drawing a thousand fans to anywhere but Cork and Hall, and even then it's a tough sell. It's a thousand fans in a building with no title match and no Yamato. It is on the back of Yuki Yukioshioka and Dragon Daya and Ben K. And if we're being generous, Ultimo Dragon.
3: It's insane. It's insane. And yeah, if you want negativity, go back to July. You don't have to go back too far <laughs> for that.
2: No, I talked we're gonna talk about 2017 Dragon Gate in a second. I hate I hated part of that year. I hated 2018. I hated part of 2019, and I hated part of 2022. But ultimately, there's a lot to like about this promotion they feel hot they are exciting they have more young talent than anybody in the world it should be celebrated as such
3: absolutely uh match five uh eight man tag Brats versus natural vibes kz Nagoya native ut jackie funky Kame and jason lee versus shun kai bb hulk and ishan shun won with a half boss and crab on ut after the match uh there was a, just an absolute dismantling of UT, and Jay later tweeted out that, like, yeah, UT uh, wasn't ready for that kind of match. Yeah, this was your last homecoming show of the year, but you're paying for it now. And that was the story of the match we saw. And it was, well, for, at least for case with where this natural vibes and Zebras feud has kind of permeated, I was glad to kind of get, like, a, something just a little bit different before we reached the backstretch of this uh, feud. And this was all based around like UT.
2: I really like this. This was uh, I I like this less than the main event, and more than the opener. It would be my number two match on this show, and you know we talked about last week. It's it's funny how these things work out. That you know, Gate had this great Zebrats versus Natural Vibes feud going, and they pivoted towards Zebrats versus High End. And I, I reminded people last week. I said, don't don't forget, there's a Natural Vibes feud that's burning that's sizzling right now it's coming up we're gonna we're gonna hit a conclusion likely with a three-way unit disbands tag match and this weekend sure enough this match zebrats versus natural vibes back on a ton of a ton of momentum for this feud heading into that cork and hall show and a main event that i am so ecstatic about uh i thought this match was great i love seeing ut writhe in pain and there was a lot of that in this match
3: yeah it's something where at least for me like I, I think that there are very few like very intentional wrestlers that you could tell like like last week we were talking about Masaki Mochizuki like one of the more well one of the wrestlers that I could just tell by watching his matches this is someone who thinks about wrestling in a completely different way. Ut is one of those people as well, and since his career revitalization, he's become one of the more complete wrestlers, and he's always the person I throw out when everyone says the Dragon Gate samey thing. I throw out Ut because this was basically as old school of a match as possible right like it was hey we're going to destroy this guy in his hometown and that's what we got for 11 minutes
2: yeah i i completely agree this was this was a lot of fun and it, it goes to show i mean i really wish i Dr- drangate is so unique in their booking where sometimes i wish just i'll use the term familiar i wish they were a little more familiar where we could just roll with vibes versus zebrats for a three-month period where that is the sole focus, and I, I wish we got the all-out war, and I, and I wish we got a Nagoya-style elimination match, and a Yagi's Baker's Bread elimination match. You know, the I, I, I talk about this whenever we talk about Glee. You know, it's so interesting, almost five years removed from the OWE split, which that by itself is incredible. It's funny seeing basically Shima's version of wrestling leave Drangate and become more and more obvious what a Shima idea was versus, you know, what, it, what a core Drangate idea is versus what an Ultimo idea is. And I feel like we have come to a pretty decent understanding of, of kind of what those three minds, even if I'm at, even if I'm looking at Drangate as a collective, kind of what those three minds bring to the table. And one of the things that unfortunately we lost with Shima was some fun Albeit convoluted multi man style matches, and I just kind of want to see that with natural vibes and zebrats because no combination of these teams are losers, they're all interesting. All of the matches they've had together have been terrific. This was, you know, something different than anything we've seen from these guys, and they, I, I thought it was wonderful. So, this feud, uh, do not forget about it. I expect to see a lot more, a lot more intense vibes versus Zebrat stuff in the coming weeks.
3: Especially so as during that beatdown, they set up KZ versus Shun at Corkin. Moving on to Ultimo Dragon versus Dragon Kid. This was Ultimo Dragon thirty fifth anniversary and Dragon Kid's twenty fifth anniversary. They're on their hometowns. So they're going to do this. Uh, notably, this was the first time that Dragon Kid and Ultimo had a singles one on one match. But Case. We sniffed this thing out immediately. We knew it last week, and it played out exactly as planned. Ten minutes, twenty-five seconds. It was a no contest with Z Bratz, interference. Restarted as a tag, Ultimo and Dragon, and Dragon Kid versus Hio and Diamante, and it was Dragon Kid pinning Hio with an Ultra Hurricane Rana in six minutes and nine seconds.
2: Yeah, look, uh, you know, it's it's not the most important thing I've been right about this year, but added to the list of things I've been right about, I told people when we were previewing this uh, last week, don't expect a clean finish here, expect a ZBrats run-in in a tag match. That's what we got. I kind of thought the tag match was going to be better than it was. Uh, it's the combination I would have run with of Diamante and Hio. It was fine. It was very much a walk-and-brawl style match that just... The the highlight was Minerita running in and, and you know nailing Hyo and setting up the finish there. I I guess I, I don't want to talk about the match. I want to talk about Ultimo for a second. You and I have sniffed out some Ultimo stuff this year of that Kork and Hall show felt like Ultimo Dragon was pacing it, and you know, that felt like that was his idea, and this was his idea, and whatever. That is all true, and yet I still feel like It is important to not overreact to Ultimo Dragon being in a featured spot on a show like this. You know, since he came back to Dragon Gate in 2019, he's wrestled four singles matches, one of which being this Dragon Kid match, another being the Sato match from the Ultimo 35th anniversary show. The two times in which he's been self-indulgent this year have been labeled 35th anniversary celebrations. Now, that's not defending it because both of them ultimately were not very good. But I do think it's important when we see him in a spotlight like this to just remind everybody, go look at his match listing this year. Almost every match he's worked in Dragon Gate this year, he's been either teaming with or across the ring from a literal rookie, whether it be Fujiwara or Fuda or whoever else. This is an undercard wrestler who wrestles in nothing matches, who just happened. He's Ultimo fucking Dragon, and he got self-indulgent twice this year. And I think it's important to remind people it's not overtaking the company
3: yeah no especially when you contrast that with the other half of the double main event it just yeah uh I, if, if I,
2: that's that's a great if ultimo headlines this show i think that's bullshit And i also think if ultimo headlines the show they don't do almost a thousand fans yeah semi-main event it was self-indulgent it was unnecessary it did lead to a nice angle but ultimately it was some capital u capital b ultimo bullshit but it's not overtaking the company, and I think it's, we, we in the same way that I unfortunately find people uh, when it comes to Nozawa overreacting simply because it's Nozawa's existence, I feel we must do the same for Ultimo. Let's look at this through a logical, reasonable perspective. It's his 35th anniversary. I'm not defending it, but it's also not overtaking Dragon Gate. This is a company full of young wrestlers that are pushed to the limit, that are brimming with potential. It is not the Ultimo Dragon playground
3: yeah and if it's just like two times a year for 20 minutes that's not going to bring down the house
2: we got through it and again this show this show did a great number so we we got through it it's okay
3: yeah uh the singles match was a lot better than the tag the tag just got rough and ready i I did like ultimo firing off against diamante but that was the only thing other than they started trading masks it it it, it got really kind of weird but uh and dragon kid i was a little surprised how much uh Ultimo was selling a little bit there. Like I felt like against all people he would <laughs> go, nah man. We're just gonna grapple for 10 minutes. Don't try anything on me. I've seen everything and I know a counter. I, I was hoping to get the current angle experience from Ultimo here about Dragon Kid, but we didn't get that.
2: I just gave you two of them off the top of your head. Can you name the four singles matches uh that Ultimo has had in Dragon Gate?
3: Are the other two against Diamante?
2: No, there's there has not been an Ultimo Diamante singles match, actually. Ah. Huh. Ata. Eta,
3: oh, gosh! So we got the three of them then. Who did Ultimo have? Uh, Stalker.
2: No, 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 no. I'll, i it's. It's my theory that Ultimo genuinely enjoys wrestling this guy.
3: Ultimo genuinely enjoys wrestling this guy. Uh, Conda.
2: It was UT in the empty arena. King of Gate shows
3: oh that's right yeah UT's
2: return match and look I mean ultimate the four three of those four matches have ended in a no contest he pinned UT cleanly or I think submitted them but hell yeah he did and <laughs> yeah. because he, that
3: that Kurt Angle uh impersonation that conversation definitely happened before that match
2: yeah don't don't try anything UT I, I understand you've watched every match of my career don't try anything
3: don't try anything I'll know it uh main
2: uh, event yeah go ahead oh, oh
3: I as I should have said. Uh, with Rita out there, they officially made the Brave Gate match. Uh, uh, Dragon, uh, uh, Hio made him play Jonkin, made him play rock, paper, scissors for the title match. But it was made, and we moved to the main event case. Okay, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt
2: you there. I got, I got nothing else to add. Let's talk about this main event.
3: All right. Well, we kind of talked about it earlier. Decourage, original team, uh, Yuki and Daya versus Menonora and Binke. It was Binke penning Daya with a Masakari jackhammer in 12 minutes flat.
2: This is the single best Kota Minora performance since he won... Did he win King of Gate?
3: No, Yuki did.
2: That's... Sorry, that's right. This is the single best Kota Minora performance. Let me adjust my timeline. Since he ruined the Kobe World Weekend, interfered in the July Cork and Main Event, ruined Kai versus Kondo, which was an excellent matchup until the interference... This was the Coach Minora of old. This was, you know, a, a guy who last year I touted as being one of the best wrestlers in Dragon a future Dreamgate champion, brimming with the potential, this, that, the other thing. This was that Coach Minora, and I haven't seen this Coach Minora in quite some time.
3: This just was, it, it was one of those moments, this match, like, I did not go notebook on this match. I was three and three quarters on it, but uh, it it was something that you took the step back and... I know we do that a lot, but this was like a, no, this is this generation's Dragon Gate. Like, this is something that it's like, you have four guys in this match, no one debuting before 2015. Ben's the only one in his 30s. And they just went out there. And like, for Minora, who, you know, by proxy was cycled down because they had to, like, this was one of those things that, I mean, if you, if you like want to take gold class, I know gold class we talk about a lot this week. If you want to take gold class like this, Minora has basically been adrift since Kobe world and being able to put in this kind of performance here as Minora has an interesting match at, on Cork and coming up this week. Nice to see. Nice to see that.
2: I, I think they've handled the aftermath of the disaster incredibly well. They've let Minorita shine. Ben K has taken on a life of his own and Minora has just kind of been there. And that's been the best thing for him is that we, we haven't really noticed Coach Minor in a while, and that's the best thing that he could have done. I, mean, I look at my my match of the year tracking. I haven't had a match of his over four stars since May twenty second, which was KZ and King of Gate, and that was that was one of the Hokkaido shows. Outside of that, the, the you know I I, I gave the uh, the Yoshioka match at Kobe World three and three quarters, and other than that, it's it, he's just kind of been a guy that's been around. But he's needed that to reset, and I will uh, once again steal a talking point from Alan Forrell when we talk about that Cork and Hall show that's coming up on Friday. Because I, I think they're they're on the right path with Menorah. This is a guy that needed intense rehab, and so far they've done a good job.
3: Absolutely, sh- absolutely. So, so that was the Nagoya show. It will be up on the network until the eighteenth. It is free; you do not need a subscription to watch it. But case. If you do have a subscription to the Dragon Gate Network, quite a 72 hours coming for the promotion between the Cork and Hall show on Friday the 16th and, of course, Gate of Origin up in Sendai on the 18th.
2: I know it's not chronological. Throw the Gate of Origin at me. uh, Gate of Origin matches at me real quick just because we don't have the full card for that yet.
3: Yep, we don't have the full card. I don't expect to see one. Uh, We did not see one while we were recording. We only have... Two matches announced for this one. We have that Open the Twin Gate title match where KZ and Big Boss Shimizu make their first defense against Yamakong, reuniting Yamato and Takashi Yoshida. And then announced today, an international dream tag team match. Shun, Monte are back together. Shun, Skywalker, and Diamante going up against Dragon Kid. And is he contracted by Noah at this point? Or Uh, regular? I, I don't know. Noah, uh, regular Ninja Mac.
2: Look, I've I've been extremely anti Ninja Mac. Uh, you know he's, he has not proven me wrong. Somebody like Jack Cartwheel, who I was once immensely skeptical of, Jack Cartwheel has proved me wrong. I'm now into him. I'm happy he's in Gleat. I'm incredibly skeptical of Ninja Mac. If he is ever going to look great, it is going to be teaming with Dragon Kid and wrestling Shun Skywalker and Diamante. My fear is that even those three can't save him, and it's going to be a very rough night for Ninja Mac.
3: Yeah, like you have two of the current best bases in the world right now going up against you, and you have Dragon Kid, someone who has basically innovated the high-flying style when you want to look at what he's done in his career. Like, yeah, this is gut check. Like, this is as much of a high-flyer gut check as one could have in
2: this company if you think about it.
3: They're gonna set him
2: up to win. This is yeah. this is gonna be a a ninja max showcase.
3: No, I just don't, I don't, just think...
2: don't I just don't know if he can hang.
3: Yeah, no. When you say set to win, you are of course not saying he's gonna win the
2: match here. Would it shock you?
3: Yeah, Shun Skywalker and Diamante. Unless they're gonna be doing some weird convoluted trios or Drangle gate match at final gate, which they could, I guess. I don't think they really need to. I mean, if Shingo back, you don't need any more. Uh, bringing people in for it i just can't rationalize the reason why a outsider who isn't a contracted wrestler and is just like a touring uh foreigner to get a pen over Shun skywalker diamante
2: okay here it's an interesting match i think drang kid Shun skywalker diamante are arguably three of the five most protected guys in drangate it's probably yoshioka and yamato rounding out that top five uh would yeah. is that fair to say yeah but Ninja Macs, and I don't think they're going to pin Ninja Mac. He's, he's not theirs.
3: But I think a pin Dragon Kid. It'll be fine. Yeah. I, I Yeah.
2: I, it's either going to be Ninja Mac over Diamante or Diamante and Shun over Dragon Kid. And I, I to me, that's
3: 50-50. I just, no, uh, 25-75. Diamante
2: I... doesn't lose to anybody. So he's going
3: to lose to Ninja Mac?
2: Yeah. <sighs> They're they're bringing him in for a reason. I I can't rule it
3: out. I mean, it could be just a simple reason of hey, uh, you helped us out on that show. Uh, this is a show that you kind of don't want to say mail in, but it's not always the most cohesively thought out thing. Uh, did you want to use Ninja Mac? That could be the reason. Very much so. I I I just like I just can't get it. I I I can't approach a plane where I'm thinking about ninja mac penning diamante so that's absolutely going to happen and we'll come to terms with that on tuesday
2: as for the twin gate match uh big boss shimizu is going to pin Takashi Yoshida. that's going to be fun stuff uh, i look forward to it
3: absolutely so and we'll probably be getting the remainder of that card after the friday corkin we have so this one is not free and the same with gate of origin but just to be clear the first corkin of december was the free one this one is not it is a 6.30 local time start in Japan. That means 4.30 on the East Coast, one thirty on the West Coast. That's 9.30 Greenwich, Midtime. Greenwich Meantime. Uh, Dragongate.live, English commentary available as with almost all Korkin shows. Uh, Want me to do the run-through, and then we'll talk about it? Please. All right, we're opening with Don Fuji, Ryo Fuda, Kaito Nagano, Nishiki Kato versus M3K. Singles match, Kota Menonora versus Konamawa Ichikawa. A uh, trio's match: Ultimo, Eita, and Kinichiro Arai versus the Kung Fu Masters trio of Jackie Funky Kame, Jason Lee, and Ho Ho Loon. A uh, singles match: Yamato versus Punch Tomonaga. Punch got guy, get over this final gate situation, man. Just try to get on the show first. Don't try to get yourself in the semi-main event. Uh, we have a unaffiliated uh, high-end friends team going up against Natural Vibes, Big Boss Shimizu Ut, and Strong Machine J versus Dragon Kid Yoshida and Problem Dragon eight-man tag it is the freelancers and Courage, as it's naruki doi shuji kondo dragon daya kakuda versus the zebrats team of kai bb hulk diamante and ishin and then we have the the, the two uh, main matches on the show we have a road to match dreamgate and bravegate champions versus challengers match mochizuki dojo is reuniting baby and it's yuki oshioka and hyo versus benkei and menorita And then we have the main event, KZ versus Shun Skywalker.
2: I really like this. I really like this card. I mean, look, our eyes are going to go to KZ versus Skywalker here. They've had three singles matches since 2019 that I went four and three quarters, four and three quarters, and four and three quarters on. I have to expect the same from that match.
3: Yeah, and now we get to have heel versus face we're full and now i mean Shoon has a heel in this which is yes, gonna be a yeah lot which fun. is
2: that's you're right that's a dynamic that hasn't been explored because it would have been shun unaffiliated and then shoon and masquerade i guess they did they shun was zebrats uh for the the uh king of gate match this year but shoon and cork and hall is a different animal
3: i think so at least uh i'm looking at this uh I'm looking at this uh, eight man tag, this match six. You have the triangle gate champions here. Do you think they get cute maybe go doi Kondo, and then Ata, they finally go like okay, Ata, and that's your Triangle Gate match at Final Gate.
2: What's Ata doing on the show? Ata is in a Nothing. six man with Alt- yeah, a six man with Ultimo and Ark, and that's a fascinating match. Um can't rule it out. They need a triangle gate match, and uh, they're not gonna get it from Dian kakuta there unless they they get really weird.
3: Yeah, it, that's just kind of screaming out for me. Yeah. Ultimo, Ata and Arakan. That is a side of the locker room that's just going to be like stale cigarettes and cigar smoke, uh, tequila and beer spilt everywhere. Ultimo's not spilling anything, but the other two, they seem like they're kind of sloppy drinkers. Yes. And, and uh, those are the two shows we have coming up. Yeah, no. Uh, now that I'm like fully looking at this cork and card, the stuff that you look at, Case, and we can immediately peg, like, all right there's no reason to get your dander up about Yamato versus punch. That'll be two minutes. Uh, the, the touch football league match, uh, they might do some, it might be fun to see ultimate deal of Kung Fu master stick, but the rest of the card is nails.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm really into this. Uh, the, the main event I find just to be absolutely delightful and the opening match, fu- uh, Fuji, Fuda, Nagano and Kato versus M3K. That also has my attention to say the least.
3: Yeah, no, th- there's a lot there with that. Uh, we we did have a couple like uh, last notes that we wanted to touch on before we got out of here. Case uh, okay, so, uh, you pointed out a match on excursion to me that I got a chance to watch today. That was it was an interesting little thing because we, we got to see for the first time in a while. We got to see Takuma Nishikawa.
2: Yeah, and I I th- sent this match to you, and then I did not have time to watch it. So I would love to know your thoughts on it.
3: Yeah, so this was from DTU's Lucha and Taco uh, Lucha and Taco show from. Oh, this was all the way back in October. The show was a while ago. I'm trying to get the lineup here with this. So this match was the main event, at least, of what they showed with this. This was uh, Nishikawa, Shun Skywalker, and Takuma Fujiwara versus Kalif, Lokilo, and Kamifulahe. Uh And it was nice thing. Nishikawa has slimmed down a lot. Like, you know how he... It wasn't that he was a big guy, but he was bulky, you know? I yeah. think he's... I, he has trimmed down in a way that it's i don't think it's like like i'm expecting to see him show up anytime soon but it's like all right like this and felt much more comfortable doing lucha like that was always that was the thing about the first stuff where we're like oh he's gonna be okay if ricky marvin and then there was that iwrg match where it was just like oh buddy that that's rough for your second match but but he's getting more comfortable here uh anything to to add about like fujuar and shun skywalker really i mean they did a lot of crowd work. Uh, there were allowed Takuma chants during this match. Like Takuma Fujiwara, wherever they were doing the show, like with DTU, he is getting over with the local fans.
2: He's a natural. I, you know, it's it's a thing I've, I've said before. People might be sick of hearing uh, hearing this from me now, but it's really funny to be watching Fujiwara and then watching Junta from Noah in the same match because Fujiwara looks like he's been doing lucha for a decade, and Junta looks like he's been he's doing lucha at gunpoint. Yeah, this is a guy who has just, he fits in everywhere he goes. And if he had the opportunity to work the US Indy scene, I i have no doubt that people would be chanting his name at the end of his first match.
3: Oh, absolutely. So, but yeah, no, that was, I, I don't know if I would say go out of the way. Uh, Kay sent me a link to a CD video site to watch this thing. I don't know if I would say you, go brave your uh anti-block software, you know.
2: Yeah, somebody uh, who who sent this to me. Uh, somebody, I want to be sure that I credit them. Uh, Paul Paul Wedding, who is oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah console listener. He's the one that uh, sent me this. So thank you to Paul for putting that on my radar because I missed it at first.
3: Yep. And I think that's about it for this week. Case is there anything that we've missed out
2: on? That is that is it for me.
3: So usually I would be pitching us to just go do our tags and get out of here, but I'm gonna do that first before I. We have a special report to end out this issue, uh, this episode of Open the Voice Gate case.
2: Yes, we do. Please go we, ahead.
3: We have yeah, over the last month, I would say, the last three to four weeks, we've been enthralled with a new wrestler who came into our life. His name is K. Jax. And lucky for us, case, we have someone who was willing to do the gumshoe work. At Open the Voice Gate, uh, we take pride in, you know, investigations, you know. Being able to discover that what's happening on a Nagoya Congress Center show from 2012. That's what we pride ourselves in, Case, right? Absolutely. So a friend of the show, Mark, a.k.a. Guts Dozer, does the great YouTube videos. He he, he did something for us. He, he went and our friend Mark has investigated Kjax, And we're going to close out with that on this week's episode. But Case, before we go to Mark, do you have anything else you want to hit on before we're out of here?
2: No, I'm looking forward to next week. Two, uh, two big shows to talk about. Absolutely.
3: You can follow us on Twitter at Open OpenVoiceGate. Uh, you, you could rate and review us on any podcasting app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. It helps us out. It's the quickest way that people discover new podcasts is through podcast rating and reviews, and we appreciate that. Uh, you can follow Case at underscore in your case. I am at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the VoiceGate. We'll be back with you next week, and here is Mark telling us more about Kjax. Take care.
1: Hello, my name is Mark, also known as Gutstozer. If you're wondering about the name, it's an old-school video game reference, and it also sounds pretty metal, and the center of that Venn diagram actually describes me pretty well. I'm a filmmaker based out of Vancouver, but prior to that, I was a wrestling columnist and show reviewer for several years. But during the pandemic, I had all kinds of free time, so I decided to combine my wrestling writing history with my filmmaking experience, and I started producing Dragon Gate-related content because it's been my all-time favorite promotion since Torimon. After Dragon Gate's Okinawa shows in late November, which featured some of the Ryukyu Dragon pro wrestling roster and one very precarious chandelier, fans were curious about the story behind Kjax. He's an Australian wrestler whose look and ring gear reminds me a lot of 90s Ron Simmons. I've watched a little bit of Ryukyu Dragon, and I'm also kind of obsessed with tracking down obscure indie footage, so I had caught some of his appearances in pro wrestling society out of South Korea, and then I reached out to Kjax to get a few more details. Unfortunately, we were only able to have a brief email exchange. It seems like schedules and time zones just couldn't really line up this week. But I did discover that he actually has a pretty great story. The missing puzzle piece of how he got there, which I kind of suspected but hadn't confirmed, is that he's military. Okinawa makes a lot more sense in that context. Kadena Air Base is huge. It's a U.S. air base, but it started hosting Australian and New Zealand military in 2018. There's a wrestler in Ryukyu Dragon called Dingo. He's a fellow Australian, and his wrestling school is called Wrestle Dream, which is based in Okinawa. Dingo already knew Gurukin Mask because they both wrestled in Okinawa Pro until it folded in 2012. Ryukyu Dragon started up the following year, in 2013, and Dingo was able to bring in some of his trainees. He's the leader of the Mad Dog Club stable, which has several members, including his trainee K-Jax. So, mystery solved on how one Mr. Kangaroo Jackson ended up there. But his story is also pretty inspirational. Three years ago, Kajax completely tore his ACL and MCL in both legs. He couldn't work out his lower body at all, he couldn't be on active military duty, and he couldn't wrestle. He was in severe pain for a long time and dealt with depression as he was losing his military career and his dream of wrestling. But eventually, he found a medical specialist who figured out his knees hadn't healed properly and got him onto special treatments. He also found a trainer who quite literally helped him get back on his feet, so he pushed himself really hard over the next couple of years to get his mobility back, and he officially debuted on the Ryukyu Dragon roster in July 2021. He's still not 100%, but he's made progress to the point where he can tour outside of Okinawa. For a guy who was basically completely immobile a couple years ago, he's had quite the comeback, and he moves a lot better than I would expect from someone after such a severe injury. So yeah, I'm a legit fan of this guy now. Kjax has overcome a lot, and he has an incredible work ethic. You can find me at Gutsdozer on YouTube and also on Twitter for however long that lasts, so thanks for listening and check out my channel.